So in the attempt to record, we went to one platform. It didn't work. We went, you're frozen, Nancy. Are yeah. <laughs> Again, okay. are we? Okay, so we're back. It, it kicked me out. <laughs> Holy shit. Okay. All right, so what, so here's, something's here. Mm -hmm. What do you really want? Why is this platform here? Why, why are you doing this? What do you really want? Mm. I don't know why it becomes, it makes me emotional. It's like I want to wake people up. Yes. Like really connect to spirit and understand each other. What do you want? Yeah, I want that too. I want that too. At the deepest part of my being, I want to support people in having the experience of living their life in communion and in devotion, and in reverence, and understanding, like, really getting that everything is interconnected. Mm -hmm. Like, we've had this experience here where we're trying to use technology, and until we shifted here, where we are right now, the technology was not working. Was not cooperating. <laughs> yeah, because, because there is something trying to happen through us in this moment that we're doing what we're doing here together. And we needed to listen to that. Mm. So we were listening to that. Things wouldn't line up. And the reason that's the case is because you and I are both receptive to that. Mm -hmm. Both understand that there is a sacred energy moving around and through everything in each of us. And that that sacred energy will support us in co-creating our deepest heart's desires. Like that's what's happening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're doing this podcast because you want to wake people up. Mm -hmm. And I have a body because I'm here to wake people up. Mm -hmm. when, when all of this was happening, my thought was like, oh, there's, you know, energetic interference. That's the thought that came to mind. Um, and I'm like, oh, something doesn't want us to, to do this. Because I know the message that you bring, Luminaria, is so powerful and is so enlightening. And I'm trying to do the same, bring light to this world. And so when I think about... Oh, why can't we do it? Why can't we do it? It's kind of like, why are you stopping us? It must be that the message that we're bringing must be like really bright or really strong or what is going on. But that's not where you went. You know, you actually felt it differently. And how did that happen? Like, how did you feel it differently? Yeah, so I think it comes from foundational premise that runs through like the air I breathe and the blood that pumps in my veins. And that premise is that 
everything is happening for the greatest good. Mm. Everything is happening for the highest unfolding. My truest language would be everything is happening for the glorification mm. of my divinity, your divinity, and the divinity that wants to move and evolve through us and co-create with us. So, yes, you know, is it possible that there are um, energies that might object to that? Sure. I mean, that exists. But the deeper knowing is that that's happening for us. It's mm. not a and it's for our light and it's for the greatest illumination that can come through me and you in this moment that we're co-creating together. That hopefully is medicine for someone else to receive an aha moment that brings them into greater connection with their true nature and with the true nature of all of life, which is it is moving us every moment, everything, everyone, Every instant, every relationship, every seeming technological difficulty mm -hmm. is actually moving us into greater congruence. If yeah. we will say yes, and how can I be part of that? Mm -hmm. It's interesting because I'm a very analytical person. And whatever, whenever I learn about a new energy psychology technique or anything like that, I try to look at the science of that as well. And I always find there's science behind all of that. Um, but I have been communicating with people in a way that is not as spiritually inclined, not as woo-woo. I think it's in my attempt to bridge the gap between that the analytical for dimensional type of thinking towards a more elevated because if I can just explain the science then maybe they can come this way a little bit more but th I think there's a part of me that also has been resisting a lot of the woo-woo um, because at times is so many things are unexplainable and my brain is like, well, shit, how am I going to explain that? You know, uh, how, how do I consume that? And, and I think that's where trust comes, where faith comes, you know, the things that I can't necessarily explain. And you have been all through my life that, that source of inspiration, that source of, um, connection for me a reminder every time to tap into that to tap into the medicine to tap into spirituality like to me that has been invaluable to have you in this corner you know while i sort of like tell people hey come over here come on this side um and i love that we're doing this specific uh episode because this it's this side, guys. This is what I've been telling you, you know, this. And I and I think that when, when I first, we first started talking, I was like, okay, well, this is the structure we're going to follow and this is what we're going to do. And um, Spirit had other uh, things to say. 
and um intuitively luminaria you were like no we were not supposed to follow the structure we're supposed to show them this place you know this place of of energy or glorification or or spirituality i don't know what do you what are your thoughts on that you said a few things but i want to circle back um first of all i think we sometimes lovingly sometimes jokingly um and sometimes disparagingly speak of woo-woo but I would like to, and I, and there are probably some things in a category that I would call woo-woo that are maybe like, I mean, I raise my eyebrow at that thing. <laughs> but, but what I want to say is, it is not woo-woo in any way, shape, or form to acknowledge that life is for itself. We can look at an ecosystem that has been untouched by our stories and our mental projections and see that it flourishes without our intervention, without us needing to figure it out, without science understanding how and why that one breeds at what time of year and how that thing grows there and you know, what droppings from what birds and other animals created the right kind of soil environment for that unique plant that only grows there, mm. like, doesn't need that. Life is for itself. Mm. And we are part of life. We are part of nature. And it wants to move through us. And it doesn't need us in the way we think we need to, mentally directing that or even understanding it. But the hard thing yeah. about humans is that we have a really difficult time with the divine mystery. Mm. And there's nothing wrong. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong. Please don't get me wrong. I have PhD, for God's sakes. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with science and try and seeking to understand and seeking to know. Mm. But just because we can't explain it doesn't mean we can't know it. It doesn't mean we can't feel the truth of it. Mm. And it definitely doesn't mean it's not operating or it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Ooh, that hit home for sure. For sure. And I know for a lot of the listeners, it's going to feel like, ah, oh, but how do I integrate that? How do I like live like that? It's, um, it's not easy, you know, like, for so many years, I've known in my head, in my mind, that we are not this body, that we are just a spiritual being, and that we are, you know, not our thoughts or emotions and blah, blah. We're a spiritual being in a human body. And so, sure, you kind of know it in your mind, but to really know it in your heart, that's a very different experience. And once you do, it's like, holy cow, the world changes. The world just seems so different. And even your attachments to emotions and to what should be or what is changes. Yeah, and, and I think I would sort of expand upon what you said by saying, 
thoughts are real things. And this body is a very real thing. It's a it's a sacred and holy thing that we have the opportunity to utilize. The thing is, the thoughts that are there may not be our unique thoughts. You and I are here as a unique emanation of love, light, life, beauty, God, goddess, source, universe, cosmos, like, I'm saying all of these names because on certain levels, it doesn't matter if what you call it. I think there are other levels in which it does, and that's a whole philosophical conversation for another time and space. But there, we are unique emanations of that intelligence that governs this universe. Okay. And as such, you have a unique energy to bring here a unique divine mind and i have a unique divine mind we also enter into a field that has <clears throat> had millions of unique divine minds operating here and uh some of those divine minds <clears throat> honed and speaking into the void a divine and holy truth and others not. Mm -hmm. So we swim in a sea of thoughts. We swim in a sea of belief systems. Mm -hmm. We are born into a family that has a series of thoughts and belief systems and premises. You asked at the beginning, like, why did I go to this place of, oh, wow, something's beautiful is trying to happen. Mm -hmm. And why did you go to the place of, oh, like something beautiful is trying to happen and something's trying to get in the way of it. Mm -hmm. Why did we go to different places? Well, part of th this is true for all people. We come in, we have different premises that we operate from. And some of those are aligned with our, like what our intentions are for our embodiment, like why we're here, what we want to dance with, what we want to play, what we want to create, who we want to be with, etc. And some of those are not congruent. Hmm. The job of our awakening is to sort in part. To sort out what is true and resonant for us hmm. and what allows us to be a more complete emanation of that divine light, universal intelligence, call it what you will, energy, hmm. and what gets in the way of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How does someone get there? Like, what would you say for anyone that is seeking spirituality? I mean, so many people have asked me, how do I rekindle or just start my journey? It's a hard question to answer because on a certain level, there are as many paths to the divine as there are humans. Mm. Because your divine connection is particular and specific because you are a unique emanation. And so is, and there's no one that has the same pathway that you do or the same pathway that I do. Mm -hmm. So having said that, the place we go is into whatever practices help us connect and feel because it's feeling. We are sentient beings. We are feeling beings. We, have this body to have a visceral experience 
of what it is to be plugged into creator creatrix, to be alive with divine energy. Mm-hmm. But whatever it is that moves us towards that. So it can be for some person, uh, you know, walking on the beach every day. Mm-hmm. And for another person, it can be a moving meditation. And for another, the the starting point is sitting on a cushion. And for another, the starting point is is in a therapeutic container. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and on and on and on. Mm-hmm. But the place that's essential is that in whatever we're doing, it's plugging us into, and we know it, we can feel it, into that power source mm. that we could call true self, that we could call divine connection or divine nature. Whatever we're doing, plugging us there, that's where we start. I know that throughout the years of working with you, I have learned more and more to connect with my body and feel it in my body. And I see our bodies as this tower, you know, of that conducts information and receives information and, and sends information. And um, I would like to say for those listening that connecting to your body and like really listening to your body um, would be a really good place to start. Now, it's a little tricky, right? Because when we suffer, for example, from anxiety, anxiety might give us a different signal than the signal of, you know, spirit trying to talk to us. So we might confuse that signal a little bit. So the then the step before turning into the body would be awareness. Awareness of how we're feeling without necessarily the the reason why I was mentioning like you are not your feelings, you're not your thoughts is so you can actually observe without judgment. So if you're feeling the anxiety, it's not like, ah, here I am again. Oh, I'm going to ruin it or whatever. Not like that self judgment, but more like um, observing with compassion and understanding the difference between this is anxiety versus this is my knowing. Um, but I do have a question for you. You, you. you use a lot of different tools, like, for example, crystals, essential oils, and things like that. So how do they play into cultivating your spirituality? I think to answer that question, um, I want to go a little broader and a little in past. Um, so I have a great blessing of being someone who remembered my holy connection from the time I remember remembering. Wow. And so there was that. And then there was a great blessing of my parents, perhaps for other reasons um, than what it turned out being for me, sent me to parochial school. 
and a lot of people go, oh, you know, or you. And that's actually not the case. So for me, coming in deeply spiritually connected, desiring communion, to be able to have a container that allowed me weekly to be in devotion, that allowed conversations about spirituality to be part of the everyday life in my growing and you know, sort of education um, was invaluable. And so there was already a very deep, deep connection for me when I was young and you know, through my early to, and late teens. And what happened is it just grew that devotion and that desire grew, and I would pray. I prayed. There's this beautiful, um, beautiful book in um, the Bible uh, that is used in the Catholic faith, um, which is sometimes different than. Uh, Biblical text has like been, you know, cut and pasted and chopped and whatever, depending on what each, you know, certain religiosity wanted to do with those texts. Um, but uh, this particular book began with this, the book of Syrac, and it began with this gorgeous poem, and the poem was in praise of wisdom. And mm. it was so beautiful, but there was something in this book Wisdom was feminine. Mm. I said something like, uh, you know, she was poured out upon those who loved her and loved God. And I remember, first of all, reading this poem, just gorgeous and weeping. And, and then weeping because I desired so much that wisdom, like, show mm. me. Mm. just like in the depth of my being and I did not know what that prayer was going to do sometimes we don't know what our prayers are doing um, and what ensued was a lot of difficulty in my mm. life uh, outwardly so but those difficulties and this is how I'm answering the question about tools those difficulties served as a container that required me to grow, that required me to wake up if mm -hmm. I wanted to be liberated. So those included physical ailments, mm -hmm. primarily things that I also had a holistic orientation when I was young. I was given almost like a whole other thing. I don't even know where to I'm trying to reel it in. So what happened is in that in that prayerfulness, desiring, life started giving me what I needed. And sometimes it was an unexplained ailment that would cause to meet just the right person who would then open just the right door for that wow. next bit that I needed. Wow. 
all of life, everything in my life was organizing for the growth that I desire. Mm. And I wow. desired that growth because I wanted to be a source of that for mm. others. Mm. I wanted to be the that version of the divine that would bring people into the remembrance of divinity that would remind people that they are holy and that they're inextricably connected to holiness. Mm -hmm. And that meant being plugged into different pathways that would allow me to liberate. And those pathways had methodologies and tools and techniques, and they were all beneficial. But what's at the essence of them, every single one of them, it almost doesn't matter the technique or the tool. I mean, there are powerful tools and I use them. Mm -hmm. And I've developed many uh, energy psychology modalities and holistic techniques and technologies for spiritual awakening. But what brings us into wholeness is anything that reminds us of our higher truth, of our wholeness. So it can be anything, anything. This lid, you know, could remind someone. And I'm, mm. I'm tongue in cheek, but also not. Because what if this lid reminded someone of their grandmother and that reminded them of when they were three years old and they felt completely safe and they knew they were at home. Mm -hmm. And that moment was enough to bring whatever pain that was keeping them from who they really are into wholeness. Mm -hmm. It's, it takes a lot of courage for you to stay committed to that goal to to say, I want to be that channel of light, take me through hell and back if I need to, you know? And holy cow, my admiration and appreciation for, for what you've done um, and continue to do to enlighten us, you know, to help us. We got on this little train because you asked you know, where does someone start? Mm -hmm. And and I think there are some essential things needed for the spiritual journey. And one of them is courage. And one of them is commitment. Mm -hmm. Another one of them is knowing that once you say that prayer that says, I want greater connection, want to remember that everything is going to start conspiring like that. Mm. That may look like exquisite peak experiences of the depth of ecstasy in communion. And it may look like a moment of living hell. Mm -hmm. And all of it is in wow. And how, how did you manage to go through hell 
and not lose the perspective of like I want to remember. It's I think it's important to say that there's parts that did lose sight of that. I think mm. it's important to say that, you know, if we could think of that prayer, that desire as this sort of like umbrella and all these parts of me underneath it. And at any given moment, some of those parts of me forgot mm. <laughs> were in agony emotionally mm -hmm. or physically or both. Mm -hmm. But another part I always remember. And mm -hmm. I think that's the foundation I was given. Wow. That foundation I was given both in the incarnation mm -hmm. and also in that childhood experience of having, I mean, basically I had an opportunity in a different kind of way than, you know, sitting on a cushion to meditate. Mm -hmm. And for big chunks of time, weekly, when I would be in mass, I was in communion. That's what I was doing. And by communion, I mean the place where my soul is in union with that universal divine greatness, mm -hmm. that intelligence, that source of love and light. And for me at the time, it took the form of Christ, mm -hmm. which is an embodiment of love, pure love, and not the kind of love that we, you know, put a little bow on, but love that has in it ferocity and humility, mm -hmm. all kinds of nuances. I um we I think we're both really lucky to have been raised in an environment that really encouraged um spirituality. From my side, I I was raised by a dad who did hands-on healing. He would take us to the mountains and we would listen to the angels speak loud and clear. Um he would just have us pray. And then my mom was the one that was like, okay, let's go to church. And, but also my mom would tell us to like, oh yeah, just so, so, and so came to visit before they die, like seeing spirits and, and the magic of using herbs for healing and all of that stuff. And also being in Venezuela with so many mystical experiences, you know, having my psychic surgery perform, meditating early on, you know, at my 15 and being immersed in all of that magic. And um, we're really, I think we're blessed to to have that upbringing. Um, and I don't know that many people have that luck, you know? And so, because it's so, so much a part of me, I wonder how can people just star even if they don't have you know this background yeah it's a consistent practice and it it's about showing up very regularly if not daily mm -hmm. for that 
It's literally making a space for the sacred in your life. Mm-hmm. So it's like we make a space. We don't think twice about it for brushing our teeth and washing our face. Mm-hmm. Watching Watch Netflix. Our <laughs> 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 we don't think twice about that. But But for many people... It's like, well, I don't have time to meditate or I don't have time to go to yoga or I don't have time to do my continuing mm. practice or you know, whatever. And it's like, I get that. I get life is busy. And if there's not a space or source to come through our lives, mm. we're not cultivating a space. It's a divine relationship. If I don't cultivate a space for you and I to connect, we we are connected. And that's just so. But if there's not a space in my heart and a space in my life and mm-hmm. a space the time of my year, then we're not deepening. That's beautiful. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Make space for the sacred in your life. Wow, yes. Because if you don't make space, you can't deepen. Yes. Wow. Beautiful. Yes, 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 yes. Um, snapping my fingers as clapping. Uh, yeah. Um, you you mentioned something, um, and I want to sort of touch upon it briefly, or, or however long, it doesn't matter. Um, you mentioned that you have developed some of your own uh, techniques for healing. And there's one technique specifically that that I want to maybe start that introduce the listeners to, and it's sacred geometry. Now, when I learned sacred geometry from you, the way that you applied it to things, I, I'm not training that. I don't, I mean, not to the extent that I could be, but when I first learned it from you, I'm like, oh yeah, this is pretty cool. Like, wow, this is amazing. And I could feel it. But it wasn't until I did my first ayahuasca ceremony and I was seeing all the sacred geometry in the room. Everything was neon color sacred geometry. Every single thing that I was like, holy cow, this is it. Like, my mind didn't see it before, but in that moment, I'm like, oh, and we can shift this and we can move it, you know? So I just, I'm really excited about all the techniques that you've developed, and I'd love for you to talk a little bit about them, if you don't mind. About the sacred geometric light animations in particular. Or any other that you would like to share about. Yeah, so this comes from making space. And so initially, I'm going to go there, but I just want to say on the making space and and tying it to the question before where I said, you know, sort of life organized. Part of how life, life organized is it organized in such a way that it gave me space mm-hmm. that I wouldn't have taken. I wouldn't have given myself the kind of space that was needed for the cultivation that wanted to happen so that I could become who I'm here to become. And so through 
not having enough energy because there was a mystery illness or because there was this other thing happening um, or because there was an enormous grief of huge loss, etc. Like that space mm. and my devotion to my path in that space gives rise to spirit going, oh, here's a vessel that I can pour into. Here's a container that I can share wisdom with. Mm. And this is where many of the tools and techniques that I have developed come from. The space that I cultivated, that was cultivated for me, I think would be a better way to say it. Mm -hmm. So that I could become the vessel that can receive. Mm -hmm. And then showing up in my work in the world, like showing up with my clients, then I'm the vessel. I'm showing up in service when two or more are gathered and then spirit would pour through me mm. and would co-create between me and whomever I might be working with. Mm. And so a lot of what happened happened in response to a need, right? There's a need. Here's a vessel and spirit flows through and co-creates. Mm -hmm. So it's not even accurate for me to say I created. I mean, yes, I co-created. And that co-creation is with all that I've been given, all that's been cultivated and grown in me, and how that intersected with what was needed, and how that intersected with how the divine wanted to move in that moment. What could happen there in that moment? Mm -hmm. So wow. specifically the sacred geometric light emanations, it's kind of a fun story. So this is a big mouthful, sacred geometric light emanations. So ostensibly all geometry is sacred, but maybe that is important because we've lost sight of the, we, we, have, a, we have a scientific and spiritual split that happened and we lost sight of the fact that numbers are sacred and form is sacred and like that and so we have to sit, call it as such light emanations this is intelligent light frequency this is the equivalent of what someone might call angels or archangels what someone else might call guides or guardians what someone else might call um, the medicine of this plant or that plant the light emanations are an intelligent light frequency. And that intelligent light frequency is the animating factor of life. Mm. So intelligent light and form is what makes up everything that we visibly see and everything that we feel that we can sense, mm. some of which we can see and some of which we, we don't see because we haven't cultivated seeing. So the sacred geometric light emanations are a way of utilizing the intelligent light frequencies that are available to us. And I've been given 144 of these particular frequencies that are sort of named and have a have an energetic around them. An example would be divine authentic reproduction, or an example might be. <clears throat> immaculate unconditional love mm. 
these energies that have a particular color, you mentioned on your journey, you saw color, right? So the light frequency is a, has color, and some of the colors we experience in this dimension on a, you know, the Roy G. Bib that we learned when we were kids that are on our visible spectrum. And then other colors are not necessarily fully on our visible spectrum, or they are, but we don't understand because it's the play of the light and the frequency. Like you can look at the um, the, the um, exoskeleton of a, of a certain type of beetle, and in one light it looks black, and then in the other light it's this like mm -hmm. vibrant metallic green. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like there's iridescence and there's metallic light. And the, so there's, you know, and this is the dance. Um, and so the light emanations come in service to facilitate co-creation. And when mm -hmm. we understand, not necessarily just intellectually, but also from what we feel and can know, that certain form in coupling with certain light is creative, then we can utilize a technology that speaks the language of our biospiritual system, right? Mm. Our biospiritual system, that's the body and all the energy bodies that make up what we, what we experience, um, the flows of energy within us, etc. the biospiritual system. The light emanations and the geometry speaks the language of our biospiritual system. We are light vibrating in form. That's what we are. Mm -hmm. So this is a technology that speaks the language of the biospiritual system. It bypasses um, our need to understand cognitively. It bypasses um, our um, limited minds. And goes straight to the divine that is part of us and that we are a part of and creates their mm -hmm. transformation on the sort of more holistic levels. Wow, 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 wow. And so all of this information came to you and you were the receptor, you were the vessel and you were sort of the translator and now the the one that applies this amazing techniques and it's because you gave yourself the space to receive that and i love when you're saying that certain things kind of forced you to make space and it's it's crazy that you're saying that because um a couple of clients were like hey nancy uh I have a sudden trip that I have to go to. Can we reschedule? And that was like right at the, around this time. And so my afternoon or part of my afternoon cleared because this needed to happen, you know, because all of this. And, and so being open to receiving that and, and understanding that that's what guidance wants for us is, I think is great. Um, how, do you differentiate or because a part of me doesn't want to make every single thing a message or a sign um 
I don't want to make it overboard, you know? So how do you know what is a sign and what is just life, you know? It's a beautiful question. And a little bit inherent in the question is a mind that is still grappling with being separate. Mm. So, um, everything is in divine and holy relationship with everything else. Mm. And sometimes we are invited to stop and notice that. Like sometimes we're really meant to see it because just like, let's say you and I are driving down a road and we're in the car together and there's gorgeous scenery and we're sort of like taking it in and it's so beautiful. And um, there's going to be a, a crossing at the head, like where we're on a, like, let's say a highway or something, right? And there's going to be a crossing and there's a sign that comes up that like lets us know there's going to be a crossing coming up. Mm. So we can start to slow our vehicle down. We can take a pause when it's beneficial so that in case there's someone else coming, we don't smack into them or they to us. So everything there was nourishing us. The mountains and the trees and the mm. birds way the clouds were dancing and the conversation we were having and whatever and it's all part of how life is shaping and growing us mm. and then we want to pay attention to that thing we kind of need to step a little bit out of whatever that flow we were in and like re recalibrate mm. and that recalibration is to support us and potentially mm. to support someone else whatever they're needing mm -hmm. Everything is part of the divine fabric. Mm -hmm. And it's a life lived knowing that is a vibrant life where sacred flow happens, where what you said, oh, like you and I were going to, we, we didn't know, you and I couldn't have planned that we were going to try to get on a platform that has reliably worked and then it just wouldn't many, many times. And it would take us over a half an hour to get this happening mm -hmm. um we didn't we couldn't have planned that mm -hmm. but in the divine fabric and flow where all things are connected things moved like someone got a sign and their life intersected just so with your life that intersected just so with my life that intersected just so with my clients lives and like all the things that you and i can't track and we don't have to track Mm. this is all being orchestrated and the orchestration itself is a sign it's a message that the mm. divine there holding you guiding you supporting you mm. and then the specific thing like not working not working not working like if it happens once we go oh you know but then then there's a sign going like no really there's actually going to be a stop sign ahead and you're going to want to stop because if you don't something's going to be missed or something could happen that's not super beneficial, like pay attention. Mm -hmm. And it's all a sign. Mm -hmm. 
there's nothing that's not. Some of it needs action on our part or recognition. Mm -hmm. Some of it needs and is desiring to recalibrate us in some way to have us look over there instead of over there or mm -hmm. to sit down and listen like you and I did before. Like, what is trying to happen? Mm -hmm. What's going on? Mm -hmm. oh. And so how to differentiate is an important question and it requires that we understand that life is happening around us and for us and for a reason. Mm. If we think the computer breaks because computers just break and it wasn't happening for us, then we miss the opportunity to be in divine relationship. Mm -hmm. Messages are powerful. We can ask for them and sometimes they just come. Mm -hmm. But they're also every moment. I'll give a silly example, but it's it's like, it, it's just, this is an example of being in the flow, that sacred flow of how things are dancing and what's getting our attention. I went to the chiropractor yesterday and I'm going across town in traffic during rush hour. So I leave early and it turns out that traffic starts to be a little better. So I call the chiropractor's office because of what might be in the flow is that I go early. And uh, they're like, actually, no, we're booked. And I was like, oh, okay, great. And then I noticed where I was um, on the 580 near Berkeley. And I thought, oh, maybe I'll stop at Whole Foods and get a salad for dinner. And um, so I plug into my uh, map that I want to go to the nearest Whole Foods. And it takes me to the to one that's like right off of the 24 that I was going to get on to go where I was headed. And, um, and it's literally like right off the freeway. I already had to go on. And at about that time, because I was doing some juicing, which I'm still doing, um, I really needed to use the restroom. Mm -hmm. And so I, it, so and and it's you know if you know if anybody knows East Bay, it's like parking is a thing. You don't easily find parking. And so I was just like, I hope there's a parking garage. And sure enough, I take the turn, and there's a parking garage, and I park right right by the entrance. And I I'm like, I hope the bathroom is nearby. And I. <laughs> I go, I go, I go into the elevator. I go up. I come out of the elevator. The bathroom is right there. No. I get the code, but the woman that works at Whole Foods is just walking right by, and I say, "Oh, what's the code?" And she, I entered in, and I walk in, and the bathroom's clean, and I'm literally sitting on the toilet, and I'm just like, "Thanks so much for this toilet and this bathroom and this Whole Foods and that person that walked by," and just like. Every wow. second, every moment was just like bathroom, and I wanted to buy a particular salad by a company, Urban Remedy. And what is right in front of me? But there's the whole Urban Remedy like stand right there. It's like huh. I only have a few minutes, right? So I grab the salads, and then literally right next to it is the checkout. You know, so I oh. have the elevator in a huge Whole Foods, and I, you know, was in tiny little radius, and I pull into the parking lot three minutes before my appointment, just enough time to walk in, right? So all of that was a sign mm. that I'm held, that life is happening. But you know, it could equally have been a sign if I was in a horrible car accident. Mm. And I'm not saying we want to have horrible car accidents. We don't. Mm -hmm. It's all part of it. It's all mm. part of it. Mm. How do you stay in that flow? 
how do you keep listening and trusting that that is happening for you? I see the evidence of it. Mm. And the evidence amplifies my trust. Mm. I love that. And we are co-creating this reality, by the way. Mm. We know there's something called the observer effect in science. Like the second you try to look at it, you enter someone in to observe what's happening, that person's energy and vision on what's happening changes it. Wow. It's just like, it's not possible, right? So we are co-creating every single moment. Mm. Mm. And I know what I like. I know that life is happening for me. Mm. And that knowing creates life is happening for me. Mm. Even if it's an accident. 100%. Mm. And even if it takes five years for me to see all the ways that it happened for me. Mm. That bad accident, for example, that I was in four years ago. Mm. With, you know, and time unfolds. Mm. And it wow. unfolds perfectly for us, for what we're up to. Well, that's total faith, I have to say. That's so much faith. It's encouraging. Our evidence, because couldn't I say to you, Nancy, like, if you were to look at, pick any day in your life, you could see the evidence that you are being helped and supported. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could also probably make a case for the fact that you're not. Mm -hmm. But you could make a case for the fact that you are. Mm. Is that true? Yeah. So how, so what does it depend on? Your beliefs? You choose. choose. Mm. (laughs) I love that. Which world is more fun to create? Mm -hmm. Is it more fun for you to create the world that life is happening for me? Right. Is it life giving? Mm. Does it bring more divine light to that moment? Mm. Then choose to create that one. Choose to look through that lens. Mm. I love that. Elevate that possibility. Any moment, anything is possible. Mm -hmm. True. True. What possibility do you want to bring into form? Mm What do you want to co-create? Yeah, yeah. The the um, sometimes I tell my clients that to sort of stay in the flow um, is to sort of release control and release expectation of how it should happen. You know, and there are times when we listen when we hear a sign or we see a sign and we ignore it but the sign comes back again kind of like what was happening with us like oh well you know this site didn't work let's go here but this one didn't work either like both of them which have worked always for us you know wonderfully like and then we tried again and it happened again we tried again and we happened again so i see how sometimes life just you know, sometimes I've said it like God whispers and then it kind of like tells you a little bit louder 
and then screams and then boom a tree lands on your car and stops you you know like you're freaking gonna listen or what but i think it's it's a lot nicer if we just um if we can listen the first time um but i love how you're actually reframing it because it's not that things are always going to be amazingly beautiful in this ec ecstatic experience of like, oh yeah, I see God. But I also see God in experiences that could be painful or could be perceived painful uh, or tragic. And so seeing God in those moments, that takes courage. Um, that's not easy to do for sure. It feels impossible not to once you know. Mm. Mm. Once you know that love lives. Mm -hmm. Know the feeling of that love. Mm. Know that it's not trying to harm you. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people and, and some people that are probably listening to this are like, you know, if God loved me, why this happened? And, yeah. you know, why did I have to suffer so much? Why did my family suffer or whatever? And I think that I don't want to invalidate experiences, you know. Yeah. Suffering is a part of life. It's part of what grows us and shapes us. It's part of what um, gives us our mission sometimes. Mm, yeah. It's part of what clarifies what part of grace we want to be. Yeah. It's part of what helps us have empathy that we could not actually fully have until we have that experience. It helps us to understand an aspect of the pain of human mm -hmm. that is ours to understand because we have something to bring to that. Yeah. And I think when we stay in victim mode, we stay separated. We stay separate from the pain of everybody and our purpose as well. I have... Um, seen people that have turned what could seem like a tragedy or pain or whatever into a work of service for others and and i have seen it for myself as well you know the things that i've gone through i'm like holy cow so that's why i went through that oh okay but it takes a little bit of time to like realize it like you're saying like it might take years and, and sometimes many many years Mm -hmm. And you know the 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 really challenging part of this is seeing and knowing that love intelligence is there in the midst of terror or tragedy or exquisite pain. And like you said, it's not easy to do that. And that's, this is why we need each other. 
Mm. And it's why we need why we need grace to sometimes intervene in our lives. Because pain is real here in this dimension. Mm-hmm. When you were talking about making or not making, but it can turn into your purpose and your mission. Um, and I get this question so often, like, how do I find my purpose? I don't even know, know what my purpose is. And when sometimes I hear people talk about, like, I don't know what my purpose is, it feels like an empty mm, feeling or like I'm, I'm longing for something that I don't have. So I wonder if you have any thoughts on purpose or mission. All of our life is preparing us and giving us what we need to grow what we're here to grow. And so we start by looking at our life. And we start by asking the question, what has been given? What are the characteristics that are unique about me? We start in devotion saying, show me. Like I'm I'm open. I want to know. It's not an easy question. I'll tell you a story. When I was in second grade, the priests came around and they gave a like a talk, and it was a talk really about inviting people into holy orders to become a nun or a priest. And um, I knew, like, oh yeah, I'm I'm supposed to be a priest, except I knew I was also not a boy mm-hmm. at the time, um, still not a boy, um, <laughs> um, and I didn't understand what it meant. Um, but I started just asking the question. I was in my prayer from second grade on. Show me, guide me, show me, guide me, show me, guide me. Some wow. version of what am I here for? And so little things would be shown. Like, oh, I love to help people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love to put together a mass and like how the readings and the songs and everything like speak to one great teaching. Like, I love that. Um I love to dance, like, oh my God, moving my body. I love that, right? Listening to, like, what do I love and what am I good at? What was given? Mm -hmm. I just happened to be good on speech and debate teams. I'm like, okay, maybe I'm supposed to do something about that, right? When the messages come, sometimes scary. And they sometimes come before we fully can understand or know what we're being told. Most people have had glimpses. Mm-hmm. They say, I don't know my purpose. If they actually sit and like slowly come into remembrance, they'll remember glimpses they've had, little messages, little knowingness that happened from early on, you know, little that they couldn't make sense of. Right. So I got a message after a very exquisite spiritual opening when I was 17. I had put holy oil on my hands that would heal and I didn't know they would heal. I just have been in this 
prayer time relationship where I would feel the Holy Spirit, divine love, grace come into my body and my love would come out. And I direct that at my grandmother's house. She'd broken her back and I was wanting her and had this very big experience. I won't go into the experience right now, but, but this booming voice afterwards said, you are to use your hands to heal. I was a 16 or 17 year old girl in Arizona in a very conservative community. And the only um, like image I had of healing with your hands was like an evangelical, like you are healed and like push someone. <laughs> Just like, ah, I know I've been asking, but and you know, I didn't understand what was going to unfold over the next 10 years and what would come next in my life so that I could be that. And honestly, now, as ego layers have fallen off and clarification has happened, you are healed. Let's let's do that. <laughs> yeah. Wake you up right now, knock mm-hmm. you to the ground, and you wake up and you're better. Yes. <laughs> Not scared of that. But sometimes we get the messages and we're scared of it or we don't understand it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know the word energy. Like I didn't know what was happening with my hands. And when I first had an energy healing session that was not called an energy healing session, I had just had this thing happen in graduate school, horrible migraine. My neighbor, who was one of the women mentors who showed up in my life, said, oh, like I have this woman, she'll come to my house, she has magic hands, and like great magic hands, I don't know what that means. But this lady puts her hands on my feet, and all of a sudden she's doing with her hands what I've been doing in my prayer time for 10 years, and not telling anyone. And I was just like, oh, it's a thing. (laughs) <laughs> but I would like, you know, a little startled by that. So I didn't say anything. And then fast forward two weeks later, I'm showing up at a um, group of women I was invited to join where they were talking about, it was like a art therapist and a pastoral counselor and a MFT and like that. And they were talking about their cases from a holistic perspective. I was still in graduate school. Felt like a real honor walked in the room to sit down and there's that woman who was standing at my feet. So I was like, all right, fine. So Mm -hmm. I say, did this thing with your hands at my feet and my head when you were at my house. And what is that? She's like, you mean energy? Like, I don't know. I have this thing with my hands, you know? And so it began the capacity to understand. And then, you know, that understanding helped what was naturally given. And then I could easily say yes to what was happening. And what was happening is I would sit with clients. I was working at the time with juvenile delinquent uh, kids um, in Escondido. And um, I would sit with them and my hands would turn on. And so I'd be sitting in an armchair like with my hands like this and my hands would turn on. And I'd just kind of go like that. Or even just with one hand, I didn't say anything. And I was pretty subtle because my arms were down low. I wasn't like that. Um, and I would watch these kids soften mm. and shift into talking about what was real for them. Wow. And many of them spontaneously start talking about spiritual things without me asking these questions. Wow. And I was like, I don't know what you're doing through this hand, but like, more please yes Mm -hmm. wow 
Wow. Wow. You know, I, I remember um, growing up being deadly afraid of being possessed because I watched, you know, The Exorcist and I was little and I was like impressed by that. And um, I remember working with you on this topic specifically and, and you telling me that nothing has permission to possess you and that um, unless we give it permission. But it shifted for me because you gave me information, information that I didn't have before. I had this illusion like, oh, I better not tap into my gifts. And I, I, I've heard a lot of my clients say like, I feel things or I sense things, but I don't want to go there because I don't know. I'm afraid. And in some ways, I think it's okay to have a fear, a healthy fear of that because there's so much that we don't know. Um, but I think that if if this is something you are, the listeners, if you're curious about, I would say get training, get information, read books. There are so many people that already do all of these healing modalities, you know, and, and there's people that have been developing the modalities as well and they can teach you and, and they can train you on how to use them and how to tap into that. Um, so there's, there's so much the, the brain. And I've said this in other podcasts, the brain only knows what it knows and it's going to, it's going to judge your environment according to what you know. So the more you can educate yourself and the more you can become aware of I think the faster you can expose yourself to things that can help you live a life of connection, you know, of ease and presence. Yeah. I'm so glad that you're saying that because I really, um, it's really a gap in our culture that's starting to, you know, have more available, but the real gap in our culture is that we don't talk about and teach young ones while they're still in the mystical realms mm. how to how to be in both places and how to how to walk between the dimensions and the worlds and do that um, in a way that is nourishing and balanced and healthful and enlivening and vitalizing mm -hmm. i was in a i was interviewed in a podcast um from a veteran nurse who he was saying like i don't see very often someone who is into the psychology aspect the science aspect a little bit talking about religion and spirituality at the same time because you're either this religious person or you're either this spiritual person or the science person, but you can't be all of it. And the reality is that you can, you know, they all intertwine, they, they all connect. And I think that when we see ourselves separate, that's when we are separate from people and in, in our spirituality. But um, part of the intention with this, podcast is to help people interconnect everything how to connect what your body is saying the messages that you're receiving from the ether from you know the energy from god spirit but also 
how your brain operates and understands information and and the signs behind it and the geometry and numbers and all of that just be all of that which is um i think we're we're re-exploring that uh, right now we're opening ourselves a little bit more there's more studies on ketamine use for the for treatments of depression and drug addiction and all that um and there's also now psilocybin studies and you know dmt and natural herbs that are that exist medicine natural medicine that now we're like okay what if we integrate nature into this what if we open the mind into a spiritual experience that can actually shift the way that we think and we operate in this world so i see more of that happening and there's lots and lots of research and information i mean thank goodness we have the internet right because we have access to information that is more more um accessible i guess redundant <laughs> but yeah um so if you could just i don't know guide someone or give someone i don't know how to call this but maybe like a gift um that they can take with them as they listen to this podcast as they take in this information and they're connected to the coding that we're given them what would you share what would you like to gift from the place of connection claim mm-hmm. and so what i mean is if you're feeling and, and knowing that soul or soul essence or self however you want to label that if you're feeling that that intelligence exists does you're feeling that let that be sovereign mm-hmm. Let that take the throne of your life and let that direct. So this is on every level of the being. Let the soul be sovereign in this bio-spiritual system. Let the soul direct what interactions. Here's this green juice I'm drinking. Let my soul direct how my body utilizes this. That choice is a choice of, it organizes energy. We are beings that organize fields of energy. We can organize it by default. In other words, we can let whatever our culture has taught us, whatever our family has taught us, whatever our life experiences have taught us, we can let that organize our fields. And we often do, and sometimes to good end and sometimes to difficult end. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we can choose to put soul in the directorship of our lives and every aspect of our lives, and especially 
our business because your business has a soul. Mm. And your soul and the soul of your business, they want to dance or you wouldn't have created the business that you've created. Mm. I love that. Put soul sovereign. Claim that. Mm. It's a sanctification. It's like, here's the holy field. Mm. And then whatever enters in there is directed by that. It doesn't mean other parts don't have a say. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that you ignore culture, that you ignore the teachings from your family border, that you ignore your previous life experiences. A good sovereign energy is a collaborative energy that looks at all of that. But soul's the ultimate decider. Mm. Oh, I love that. Snapping my fingers. Love that. Love that. Love that. Love that. Thank you. Um, something that I wanted to do before we close, um, um, unless there's something else you wanted to share, but there's a million things to share. I know. <laughs> like I want to have you in another podcast again. I want to like. To start a podcast with you, period. Like honestly, um, but um, I I want to. The words that come to my mind are send an activation code. Um, and not from the ego perspective, like oh, we got the code, we're gonna send it to you, but more like. I want to use this channel and this vessel, uh, our bodies as a vessel, to those listening to this podcast, this episode, um, to be activated, to have that opening of heart and and shift with this transmission, you know. And however it comes, I'm going to put my iPad down because I prefer to not have too much technology around mm-hmm. and so um i'll probably i'm thinking that i'll I, i'll start with something and then if if you don't mind taking after that'd be great what i'm trying to do in this moment is to put my ego aside and connect to the purpose of my life you know honestly Um, which is to bring light and truth and whatever truth means for you. And as you're listening to this and if you're here still with us, this means that this message is for you. Um, We're inviting you to open your heart to open your mind, to open your spirit, your energy, to the grandiosity of who you are, the magnificence of who you are, whatever feels right for you, Luminaria. It will be an even greater opening 
a greater sacred space in your life or communing and in that place of communion may each of your cells begin to vibrate with the holy truth that life develops you and life is supporting you And as your cells vibrate in this way, and your body begins to tingle with that truth, the remembrance washes over and through you. Breathe a yes breath, a breath of permission and allowing allowing your heart, your mind, and your life to be transformed, involved. most glorified, beautified way. Maybe all of this Mm. Wow. You're glowing. Mm. Oh, beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for those listening as well. It was amazing. Thanks so much. Yeah. This opportunity to play with you in this mm. I love it. We have to do it again. Mm. We gotta play again. Mm. Mm. Thank you.